0: Our scripture reading shall be taken from John, chapter 3, verse 22 to 36. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Enon near Salim, because there was plenty of water. And people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing. And everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourself can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens to him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine. And it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. The one who who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth. And speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has said and heard. But no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the word of God. For God gives the spirit without limits. The father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on them. May God bless his words in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen, indeed. Well, good morning, Shatin Church. My name is uh, Darren. I'm a pastor, believe it or not, at uh, St. Andrews. It's a great privilege to be here with you today, and what an encouragement already. My job this morning is to get out of the way. uh, As our young brother shared with us, Young uh, Kenjin, I think his name was, what a testimony! Putting his faith in God. That—that that is why we are here today, um, and it's an encouragement to share this with all of you. Um, I wonder what mottos have framed your life, uh, your family's life, your your work or your business. Uh, my father used to exasperate my mother. His motto was, "It's better to ask for forgiveness rather than permission." Um, it, motto seemed to surround us all the time. The corporations, Nike say to just do it. We have no idea what it means. Uh, you can go into any gift shop and you can buy magnets that say godliness is next to cleanliness. Um, my favorite perhaps, one of my favorite writers is Bill Bryson. And in his book, Notes, um, Notes from a Small con- note, Notes from a Large Country, his book on America, he writes about the different slogans that all 50 states of the United States have taken up. He ponders why Ohio is called the Buckeye State, why New York is the empire state when it has never colonized anything. Um, Maine is known as vacation land. Um, and perhaps my own personal favorite, as he ponders why his own peaceful and relatively safe state of New Hampshire has the motto, live free or die, um, which he thinks is rather extreme. He'd rather not lay down his life if things aren't going well. Um, uh, And I suppose you only need to log on to Instagram to see many sort of motivational thoughts. Uh, Don't cry, it's over. Smile because it happened. And you think, well, what do any of these actually mean? Well, I'm delighted to preach to you today on John, the end of John chapter 3, because I think it's the best motto in the Bible. I wanted it to be the motto for my life, for your life, and really it's the purple passage to preach on baptism, because it is what our baptismal candidates are declaring, they're applying this today, this motto that Jesus gives us, that he becomes bigger and I become less. He's more, I am small." That is what our candidates are affirming. They're, they're applying it to their lives today. And we would do very well as a church and as Christians to be able to say the same and to strive for it. I want to make this my personal motto. And uh, perhaps we forget about this this text at the end of John chapter 3. Because quite frankly, uh, the, start, the first half of John 3 is so famous and so fantastic, it's easy to overlook this passage but to understand it, we'll only know it in the context of John 3. And of course, Jesus has been famously speaking to the Pharisee Nicodemus. And in John 3, you, you might know, you might not know, it contains the most three famous sentences that all begin with the word "must." Do you know that? Do you remember what they are? What's the first one? You must be born again. Good. I heard someone say it. Someone reads their Bible at chat Didn't? Um, Jesus said, you must be born again. Uh, the kingdom, his kingdom is not a natural kingdom. There's a separating line between people and God. How do you get over the line where well, you have a spiritual birth? That's what our baptismal candidates are declaring today. They've had a new spiritual birth in Christ. And how do you do that? How do you get over the line? How do you have a spiritual rebirth Well, Jesus tells us again, the second famous must sentence in John chapter 3. I wonder if you know what it is. Well, the Son of Man must be lifted up. He must be put on the cross. That is what our candidates are affirming. They are believing that Jesus was lifted onto a cross. And through that, they have been born again. And it's only when you get those first two musts right that you can do the third. That he must become great. And I must become less. This is all framed around John the Baptist acknowledging that his star is fading, but another sun is rising and My first point is called comparison and competition in verses twenty one or twenty two to twenty seven if you have it open in front of you because we 're told that after this conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus went into the countryside to do his ministry, and yet there is friction. And there is competition. John the Baptist, you might know, was probably what we would call today the most famous tele-evangelist. People were coming out to see him and his ministry. He was well-known. But sadly, his ministry is coming to an end. His church, his congregation, they are dwindling as people are going to see the son of a carpenter from a lowly place called Galilee. And there is competition between the disciples of John and the disciples of Jesus. And you may know that before Jesus was killed, oh, sorry, before John the Baptist was killed, uh, his ministry uh, overlapped with that of Jesus. He was killed by Herod Antipas, but of course he was the cousin of Jesus. They were childhood friends. He leapt in the womb of his mother, Elizabeth, when he knew that uh, Jesus had been incarnated. But John's disciples... They didn't really like Jesus. Uh, they uh, they are frustrated that their master's ministry is dwindling... ...and the other pastor's ministry is rising. Do you see what they say in verse 26? It's very telling. They say, look, that man on the other side of the river. They're saying, that bloke, that guy, that zai, they, they They just are being incredibly disrespectful to Jesus. He's baptizing. We're losing... And well, if you ask me, I think, you know, give, give John the Baptist a break. It might have something to do with the rumors that if you went to Jesus' church, uh, you might get healed of your illness. And a small rumor going around the countryside that there might be 5,000 liters of wine after the service. This sounds like a good day. And what does John do? Does he feel injured? Does he feel wounded? Does he feel neglected? Is, is he damaged? No, well, we see that John's response is one of joy. He says, I'm fading, but another star is rising. I am only the messenger. I'm the voice. I'm the pointer. My job is done, and my joy is complete. And oh, how I pray the church, the church global could grab this message because sadly, we are creatures of comparison and it does so much damage to the work of the church and the ministry of the gospel as cliques and groups are formed, as pastors are in competition with one another. You know, I think if only I was like that pastor, if only I was like Pastor Hugh Yuhan, then my joy would be complete. My ministry would succeed. If I could preach like that man or that woman, if I could have a, have a church and a job like that, then, then things could really get, get going. But John gives us a different perspective. Verse 27, he says, A person receives only what is given to them from heaven. And this verse is the gift and the key to uncontent people. If you are uncontent today, this is God's gift to you and the solution to it. It is the key to contentment because John knows his place and his circumstances come from God. He says, I'm not the Messiah, but that guy is. Many thought John was the Messiah, did you know? But he knew that his job and his role and his place was to be the person who points to the Messiah. And sadly, there is too much jealousy in churches. There's too much fighting. There's too much lack of contentment as ambition and jealousy kicks in we would do very well to recognize this truth of John's today and it would give us great humility as we acknowledge the place that God has put us and the opportunities we have are always a result of God's grace and his sovereignty. Because sadly, it's a sad truth in life, there will always be someone who has more money, who is better looking, a better singer, a better dancer, a better whatever it is, than 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 you and john the baptist well quite impressively he has no insecurity it's a wonderful thing and it's what secure people recognize their identity and their circumstances and their judgment will all come from god and john says this is only possible because of his second point the groom and the groomsmen in verses 28 to 30 this is not a new thing he says now this is the picture of the groom at the wedding and his best man it's one of the ultimate pictures in the bible it flows through the old testament and the new testament that god was the husband of his people israel we don't have time but there's wonderful passages on this in deuteronomy 6 or exodus 34 or isaiah 54 that god would marry his people this image of great joy And the people were his precious bride. A relationship with God of such intimacy that only the very best marriages in our society give us a glimpse. We sometimes think of our relationship with God as something so arbitrary or transactional. But the Bible paints the most beautiful picture of great joy and feasting and dancing as God's people enjoy relationship in his presence The kingdom of God. And this image of the bride that is swept up by her husband with tears of joy. The Bible says this is what a life with God is going to be like. And of course this is only magnified in the New Testament. And and I love to think of the picture of John as he writes his gospel. Thinking of the wedding at Cana. As he sits at his desk in Patmos looking out the window. Thinking of this wonderful image of of God and his people, the best wedding. And of course, in ancient culture, a best man was nothing new. i would give you a Hebrew lesson for today. The best man was known as the Shosh Ben. It's pretty unique in wedding culture. It's an ancient thing. And still today, he's crucial, although not as crucial. I tell you, me and he, you, when we do weddings at St. Andrews, there's only one thing I'm looking for from the best man. Do you know what it is? It's the ring. I've forgotten mine today. Don't worry, I'm, I'm still married. Um, uh, one time I did a wedding, they forgot the ring. Uh, don't worry, we still got them married. I'm just looking for one. It can be a piece of Haribo, the, the ch- children's sweetie. We had to borrow the mother in laws so anyway, it worked out okay. Um, uh, the, the, um, the congregation, when they see the best man, you know what they're looking for? They're looking for two jokes, dish the dirt and sit down, get out of the way. The tailor, he's thinking of the suits how much money he can make from the bridal party. But in ancient culture, the, the best man, the Shosh Ben, well, he, he was an incredibly important role. He was the liaison. He was the one who organized the wedding. He would distribute the invitations. He presided. He organized the feast. He led the service. He would guide the bride and the bridal party from her home uh, to the wedding chamber uh, to guard her from imposters and those who would seek to, to take her. And he would lock her in the room. And only when the groom arrived, and only when he heard the groom's voice, and knocking the door only then would he open and only then could the ceremony begin and he could let the groom in safely and yet once he opened the door and the service began what was his job? to get out of the way that his job was done he was no more he had fulfilled his role and let me tell you I've done a few weddings not many probably about 50 there is nothing worse nothing worse than a self-centered pastor at the wedding. There is nothing worse than the hysterical relative. Trying to get in the way. There is nothing worse than the drunk best man. Who tells inappropriate jokes and stories. And steals the show. When someone else upstages the wedding. It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. Because the best man is only to get the groom to his bride. And that's what John knew his role was. To get the groom jesus christ to his people and the reason john could do this the reason why he could get out of the way the reason why he could be humble is because of our third point the identity of the king verses 31 to 36 if anyone asks you who jesus is you 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 could struggle to go wrong by going to these five verses as they just give us so much clarity and confidence in who this groom is. For we're told, John says, well, I can do this because he's the one who came from above. His origin, he says, is from heaven. He says, there's no one else like that. There's no man, woman, animal, or vegetable. Uh, There's no technology in the universe like it. For he is the one who has transcended time and space by coming from heaven to earth. He is unique and supreme in his origin you might think well that sounds very good but what does that mean he says what it means is when he testifies his testimony comes from above we can only see the horizon ladies and gentlemen but jesus can see all things when he speaks i've never been in a helicopter i'd love to go if you own a helicopter i'd love to meet you after the service but i think it'd be very fun to fly around victoria harbor You could see all sorts of things. I imagine you could see people working in their offices. You could see the the traffic jams on the island and and how uh, Princess Margaret Road is looking. I could call you and I'd say, don't take Princess Margaret today. The traffic is awful. You'd be able to see and you'd be able to speak with great clarity. And you know, there's many people today who claim that they speak with wisdom and intelligence. They give fresh perspectives and new perspectives there's many who say they speak the truth. Miracle workers, wonder preachers. But John says, no, I, I I only see the horizon. We are all on the earth. We have a very limited perspective. But there's one who is in the helicopter. There's one who can see all things. So don't listen to me, listen to him. Because he's the one who, who speaks the truth. I, I You think I'm great, he's saying. Well, I'm very limited and you know Even the best preachers today the people we love to quote in sermons uh, Even the best preachers in hong kong today We're all just standing on the shoulders of giants. We're standing on the greats I mean i'll be honest. This is just a rehash of a jc ryle sermon We love to quote tim keller and uh, c.s lewis But we're all just standing on the words of jesus christ He is the one that we really should be trying to listen to as we read his word and he can do it. Jesus is the one worth listening to. Because of verse 34. He is the one who has spirit without limit. God gave it in fullness. It means that Jesus speaks the words of God. He's the full expression of God. And yet the world looks at him. And they see a limited man with limited education from a countryside upbringing. And John says he's the greatest And this is the challenge for us. Those of us who are Christians already, this is where the rubber hits the road. Because we have to ask ourselves, are we going to listen to him when the world laughs at us? Jesus said some pretty crazy things. I don't know if you noticed. He said, always tell the truth. Be radically generous. Stay monogamous to your spouse. Don't marry unbelievers. He said, sex is dehumanizing outside of marriage. It's exalting inside a marriage. And the world looks at these statements and they laugh at Christians. They laugh at Jesus. And we have to ask ourselves, is he speaking the truth? Does he have the authority to say these difficult things? And John the Baptist would say, don't look at me. Don't listen to me. Listen to him. He is above and he is broadcasting his word to the world And oh, that God would give us hearts to hear him and to listen to him. And he speaks for God because he is God. And yet, verse 32, not everyone accepts this testimony. Not everyone accepts it. And that is a sad thing. And yet, we would be mad to ignore it. We're told that uh, God has placed all the power in the world in Jesus' hands. You know, you come to church, you go to church, tr- you sing that terrible hymn. He's got the whole world in his hands. You know, we, we sing it so lamely. This is where it comes from. But may you see that truth in you as Jesus has some power indeed. To ignore him would be madness. Verse 36 tells us the hardest word in all of John. For it's the only time in John that he talks about God's wrath or wrath. And it says it will be on those ...who reject Jesus Christ. It's the hard word in this passage today. We're here at Shatin Church. I see you've got a lovely aisle up the middle. John says that one day people are going to be split. There'll be people on the left and people on the right. Those who know him and those who don't. Those who accept him and those who reject him. And those who reject him, God's wrath will remain on them. But those who accept him, they will be forgiven... As they acknowledge the three musts, that you must be born again, that the Son of Man must be lifted up. And in recognizing that, like our baptismal candidates, I can become less, I must become less, as he becomes more. I can get out of the way. And well... We'd be a very healthy, healthy church, you'd be a very healthy Christian if you could do that. If you could learn about him, if you could think about him, if you would prioritize him in his words, not the words of the world. And yet this is foolishness, the Bible tells us, to those who are perishing. But Shatin Church, the encouragement from our baptismal candidates, from the, the testimony from Ming, that we acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and Savior. What an encouragement And yet, if you are not clear on his identity today, you will find it very hard to get out of the way. You'll find it almost impossible. You will find it impossible, I guarantee you. But if you recognize him as the son of God who speaks for God and from God, speaks from heaven, you will have no trouble at all. You will be content in your place because you know that he loves you, he cares for you, and he came to the earth for you. Eternal life is seeing Jesus clearly and letting him be in charge. Amen. let me pray, Father, thank you for, thank you for the wonder of, of John the Baptist. What a guy, but Lord, we, he knew his place, he got out of the way, and I pray for us all. The application could be true by your spirit. We would stand aside that Jesus would be great in our lives and in our church. And that, that, that his name would be magnified, that we would be less. Forgive us for our sin, for our comparisons, our competition. And Lord, heal us, we pray. Restore us. And may we see Jesus clearly, the Son of God. In his name we ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much.